0: You have to sit in the most perfect position, otherwise you're going to get low back pain. And that's not true. We actually see in some of the research that sitting is actually protective of low back pain, but that's that wasn't brought up.
1: Happiness, success, freedom, energy, fun, balance, strength, peace. It all stems from our physical and emotional well-being. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion with experts to show you the way. This is Be Well, a podcast from Crossover Health. Not sick is not enough. Being well is a movement to get the most we want out of life. In each of our episodes, we pick a health or lifestyle topic, bring in one of our doctors from the front lines, and have a real conversation. Be well, do good, enjoy life. What's up, everyone? This is Dan Lord, Program Director for Crossover Health. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion. Just a reminder, the following presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Today, I have my friend and colleague here, Michael Bracchiao. While he has experience treating a variety of conditions, Michael has a particular interest in back pain, also tendinopathies, and performance rehabilitation. His article on tendinopathy was featured in a publication for the American Chiropractic Association. He grew up playing sports, which fueled his desire to help people move and perform better. Chiropractic is a field in which he feels he can help others who love movement to get out of pain and return to their activities and sports. After graduating from chiropractic college, Michael decided that he wanted to specialize in rehabilitation and performance training. He wanted to earn his diploma in rehabilitation from the American Rehabilitation Board, becoming one of the only eight chiropractors in Washington State with a certification. His approach to treatment involves integrating evidence based care, combining these techniques to reduce pain and improve function. Michael, what is up, man? How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Is that the is that my bio? That was that made it sound way better than I thought.
1: Tried to make me sound really, really smart.
0: Yeah, you you did a great job. I hope the rest of this uh, podcast goes the same yeah.
1: way. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. That's right. That's right. I'd Love to get to know you a little bit better and hear about your practice right now.
0: Yeah. So I work on one of the onsites for Crossover Health uh, here in the Bay Area. We work in a large multidisciplinary team providing all sorts of services uh, obviously I'm in the physical medicine team but primary care uh, acupuncture mental health all of it's provided here
1: nice nice that's a fun environment to work in let's talk about back pain today since you're a chiropractor right I'm a chiropractor we supposedly know something about backs um, so so we should, right so so let's um let's get get down to it it's something that many people have a challenge with, you know, back pain is, is common, but, you know, let's kind of define it a little bit. What's, what's your perspective on back pain these days?
0: I mean, the thing is, is everyone has a back, right? Everyone has a spine. It's so common. And so, and it's just problematic because so many people have issues, whether it's low back pain, neck pain, mid back pain, whatever it is, it's just such a common issue. And, it's just something that we all kind of share an experience with. So it's trying to figure out how do we treat it and how do we prevent it and all that kind of stuff.
1: Sure. I mean, it is common, but it's also like debilitating and it causes lots of challenges. And, and you know, people lose their daily life activities because of back pain a lot, right?
0: It's literally the number one disability globally.
1: Not diabetes, not cardiovascular, like low back pain is the number one. It's crazy
0: because I don't, I don't think people understand how big of an issue it is. Uh, there, there's a pretty common stat that like 7% uh, of the world's population right now is experiencing low back pain. And they say never to do math like, uh, live, but thank goodness it was already done for me. That's like 540 million people right now. Right. Right. Like that's, that's so many people right now that are experiencing low back pain.
1: So, um, let's talk about maybe the causes a little bit. So, so many people are are getting back pain or why is it, do we have a limitation in our genetics? You know, our backs fragile, like what happened?
0: I mean, that's a common explanation, right? Is that the back is really fragile that maybe you were bending over to pick up a pencil or tie your shoe and your back went out and it needs to be shoved back into place or <laughs> <laughs> it
1: has a mind of its own.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like those are, those are common explanations for why people experience low back pain. You know, we laugh at those kind of things because they're just not grounded in any science at all. But people are told that there's, you know, one of their vertebra is rotated three degrees to the right. And that's why they're experiencing low back pain or that they slipped a the disc. They have some sort of pelvic rotation. It's out of alignment. You know, you're a, you're a stack of Jenga blocks and you got to, you know, <laughs> put, it, put it back together. But the thing is, is the spine is actually a really robust structure. It's very strong. But a lot of the explanations that we give for low back pain are unfortunately just not concurrent with what we actually see in the research, you know, not what science supports.
1: Sure. So what does it support? Narrow it down a little bit. So because I think those are the common thoughts, but let's educate our, our members here.
0: Yeah, I mean, like the, I think one of the hardest thing to grasp, and this is just kind of reality, is that a lot of low back pain is nonspecific. We actually don't have a specific, like one specific source that's causing our pain. It's not the SI joint ligaments. It's not, you know, a joint capsule. It's really hard to narrow down, but that doesn't mean that we can't figure out how to help somebody, right? When we're looking at things and kind of how I approach things. The first thing is just ruling out really bad things that can cause low back pain, cancers, infections, cauda equina syndrome, which is where you kind of lose some bowel and bladder uh, function. We want to rule out all the bad things. And then once we're able to do that, then what we're looking for is not as much like the actual cause, but looking for patterns, right? Maybe we have a little bit of nerve involvement. So sciatica is something a lot of people hear of, which is just irritation of the sciatic nerve, or maybe it's mechanical in nature where... We just get pain bending over, bending backwards, rotating. And then that's where we're kind of looking for in terms of like the actual diagnosis. It's not tissue specific necessarily, but it's more movement based.
1: Right. This is, a, I think, so critical for people to understand. One of the, the challenges, people want to know the specific tissue that's causing pain and they want an image so that they can point to it and say, here's my problem, right? But that's... I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit more. You also don't recommend getting an image right away as long as there's no red flags, right?
0: When we look at kind of treatment in general, right? Like if we have acute low back pain, so low back pain, maybe just a couple of days or whatever. One of the factors that actually has been shown to increase your odds of transitioning to chronic low back pain is early imaging or opioid prescription or referral to a specialist, right? And each for each one of those categories, it increases more. And so when we're looking at, you know, why we all kind of help try to help people with low back pain, none of us want to facilitate the transition from acute low back pain to chronic low back pain. Mm. But without those red flags, like if we have no red flags, then if we're just kind of taking an image just to take an image to see the structure we're kind of, you know, we're not necessarily making things better. We actually might be making things worse, which is what we see quite frequently. You know, you see your spine on an image and it doesn't look pretty, right? Like, it's not a wonderful masterpiece of a painting. We see it and we're kind of like, oh, what's going on over there? Oh, that looks funky. But it's also usually your first time seeing your x-ray or your MRI or whatever.
1: If you happen to be over 30, um, you're going to have findings that, probably aren't related to your pain, right?
0: I mean, you're a human, you've moved, you've lifted things, you've done things. Like, yeah. of course, you're going to have some sort of structural change, but that's okay. They're typically not associated with low back pain. So they're, you know, the common example is just the wrinkles on the skin, right? Like, you don't look at your wrinkle and go, man, I'm, I'm smiling too much. Like, no, I don't know. Like,
1: Michael, I don't know. I don't have any wrinkles. So I don't know what you're talking about.
0: I mean, you're just a flawless specimen, Dan, so we, we, know, we know that.
1: <laughs> We've covered, hey, it's not about a specific tissue to call out, but you still diagnose people and categorize them, right? So and you mentioned patterns. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's how we should look at management of back pain, these different categories that you can actually bucket people into
0: we can kind of guess on some tissues that might be involved, right? It's just really hard to prove that they're actually the cause. So let's say we have somebody that has pain bending forward, right? Uh, Maybe they were bending down. They're trying to tie their shoes. They came back up. Now they have pain in the low back, right? And so our goal is to try to get them to be able to bend forward again without pain, right? If we have some numbness and tingling, we think "Hmm, maybe there's a little bit of nerve involvement. If there's not, then we're thinking this is mechanical in nature. How do we kind of change um, their movement strategy so that they don't have pain when bending forward? I think a lot of times, and I, I use a ton of analogies all the time, some work, some don't. But I think like if we're thinking about low back pain as pizza, right? We want good meat, right? But I think a lot of times when we look at low back pain, we look so much at like just the sausage and just the pepperoni. And we kind of ignore everything else that can contribute to low back pain. You know, we've all had pizza where, like, great meats, the crust is soggy. But, but you know what I mean? Like, we get so focused yes. on one thing and we go, that's what, that's what's causing the low back pain, right? Yes. It's, it's your joint stability. It's this, you know, specific ligament. It's whatever it is. But that can be a part of it. But it's just not all of it, right? We need good sauce. We need good cheese. We need the meats. We need a good crust.
1: Right, right. We yeah. have
0: to look at everything together. This spine
1: ha- is is extremely complex. There's muscles, there's ligaments, there's joints, there's discs, there's, you know, all sorts of things that comprise a system that works together.
0: I mean, it's almost a disservice, right, to like, yeah. almost like, just go, oh, your transverse abdominis muscle is firing a millisecond late. And then you're like, you're not even concerned about like, oh, this person's actually super stressed out because they're moving right now. Like right. it's stressful to move during a pandemic, right? right? Like you you need to look at the whole person and go, yes, we have the biological factors, but what else is like contributing to their pain episode?
1: Right. Right. So it's, it's important to personalize the treatment for that person you know, why see a provider, right? There's there's, um, there's this, this filter that I think that we can provide because there's so many options on how to treat back pain. It, it's important to have the right strategy. Maybe talk about that a little bit in, in the current state of, of, you know, treatment options. It's, it's kind of overwhelming.
0: So, you know, I, I'm in the generation that whenever you have a problem, you go to the internet to go look for a solution, right? You get locked out on your phone, you go, how do I unlock my phone? You know, whatever, whatever it is, right? And so medical information, we do the very similar thing, right? You go, I got low back pain. What does the internet recommend for low back pain? But the problem is, you can post anything on the on the internet, right? Like, there's no filter of that information. It doesn't have to be uh, vetted by anybody. So You just don't know what that quality of information is, which is problematic. Somebody could be pitching something that is not an effective strategy, but it's got a lot of views. And so you go, oh, well, it must be good.
1: And I think it's more common. It seems like it's more common with back pain, you know, compared to almost any other condition because we we, we all use Dr. Google from time to time. But Mm -hmm. I think back pain holds a special place, you know, in that zone because there's just so many people that offer their little widget to fix your back.
0: So there, there was a really interesting study actually on this. And they looked at the top 200 YouTube videos for low back pain, right? And like, we have general buckets of like, what are kind of like fairly effective methods, whether it's evaluation, treatment, whatever it is. Do you know how many of those 200 most popular videos met the clinical practice guidelines for the treatment of low back pain? What, what percentage? What percentage? Yeah,
1: man, I would hope
0: fifty percent if it's the top 200 it, w- it was fifty percent. You're of course, of course you knew that. but it was fifty percent and what they what they found was that they just recommended some sort of exercise. Don't the sure. problem is is the other fifty percent, you got a bunch of random treatment options that are given to you right that aren't effective. I don't know about you, but like whenever I'm looking for a solution, I want the most effective thing first, and that's what I want to try. I'm not going to go for the most arbitrary thing first and go, hmm, yeah. weird.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I'd love to talk about you know, your practice, maybe even a little more, how you deal with your patients. You know, work from home has changed some stuff. People are sitting a lot. One of the things I hear from the internet is sitting is a new smoking um, is that what you tell your patients? Every day,
0: obviously. <laughs> very, e- exactly the same. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's I, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things that, like, it didn't really pass any filter, right?
1: Or the fact that sitting equals bad for your back? I mean,
0: like, and, and this goes back to, like, what we were talking about earlier of, like, the spine is a very fragile thing, right? You have to sit in the most perfect position. Otherwise, you're going to get low back pain. And that's not true. We actually see in some of the research that sitting is actually protective of low back pain, but that's, that wasn't brought up. Right. Right. Like it was that sitting is the worst thing for the low back. Now I'm, you know, I don't think any healthcare provider would say, okay, you know what? Sit all day. Don't move at all. Don't worry about exercise and movement. That's not what we're saying. Right. We're just trying not to have people fear sitting in various positions because- have you ever tried to stand all day? It's tiring. Sometimes you just want to sit down and have a seat. But you you want to be active, you want to move throughout the day, it's good for you, it's healthy, right? But it just comes to that like cause of low back pain that we kind of go back to where we're like, it it's not just sitting, it's unfortunately just not that simple.
1: Right. I agree. And maybe if I simplified it, is it fair to say that a decrease in overall activity levels could be a a potential risk factor, right? Like, like I do want to actually, you know, find what is the challenge, right? It's not just sitting. It's when you look at the whole picture, right?
0: For back health, spine health, joint health. Yeah, they're designed to move. So
1: you should move them. I agree. I agree. So let's break this down. Maybe one more step. Do you have any kind of back pain cases that you could share that kind of illustrate some of the stuff we've been talking about?
0: I mean, I'll I'll say it as kind of a whole, right? Because I think whenever I have a consult with someone for low back pain, I think one of the most important things that I actually say, which in the beginning, I didn't think this was that important, but once you see the pattern, you start to notice it more is after I do a thorough history, after I do an exam, and let's say I don't see anything, you know, we've ruled out the red flags. We don't think anything structurally wrong, right? I tell them like, you know, based on everything that we've seen today, I don't think anything is structurally wrong uh, with your spine. I think it's all intact. You know everything's working properly, and you almost hear like this sigh of relief, right? Of just, "Ooh, thank goodness."
1: You're not saying, "Hey, then the pain is all in your head."
0: No, not 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 at all. I'm just saying that your structure, the actual spine, is intact. We don't think that you have a slipped disc or a fracture or because. I think a lot of people, when they hear of low back pain, they instantly think, well, I have something seriously wrong and I'm going to have to have surgery. My grandpa had to have surgery for his back and it's never been the same. And so like, I think when you have low back pain, you get evaluated you're, in the back of your head, you're thinking, uh-oh, that I'm going down that same route. And so
1: it is the most important thing that I think providers can tell patients after they've ruled out red flags, which is 99% of patients. Um, reassurance can really help recovery, right? It's actually something that is proven that you can actually recover faster um, when you have reassurance and you understand some of the things you've been talking about.
0: I mean, have you have you ever broken a bone before?
1: I've not. Oh, okay. Well, I I've, bones either you know, I already covered that.
0: that. That was a ridiculous question on my I end. Mean, my what? my bad. But like, you know, I I've I've had multiple fractures. When I broke my thumb, I'm sitting in the room. They've taken the x-ray. I'm waiting to hear back. You have anxiety. You're like, I'm pretty sure it's broken, but I'm not sure if it's broken. Do I have to have surgery? And so being able to have somebody come in and then go, we took a look at your x-ray. It was negative. And you go, ah, thank goodness.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, but I think a lot of time with like spine care, we don't necessarily do that. Or a lot of providers don't necessarily do that, right? That it's kind of just like, you point out everything that's wrong. You squat wrong. You sit wrong. You lift wrong. You're not exercising enough. And so you're thinking like, I can't do anything right, you know?
1: Yeah, right. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. And then people become um, sensitized to to their back more and more, and you go the opposite direction. So I, I, I just agree. I think that's such an important message for people to understand. So, all right, let's talk about solutions. I've got back pain now. It's nonspecific. There's no red flags. How do you kind of work a patient through their plan to, to improve?
0: So the, the interesting thing, like whenever, whenever I see somebody, especially like when they come in with low back pain, I think a lot of people instantly think that their spine's unstable, they have a weak core, they have to do core exercise. And yes, core exercise can be beneficial. It can be helpful. But it's not the only treatment option that we have available to us. Exercise as a whole is actually pretty helpful. And so we, can, we have some luxury in meeting some people where they're at. Maybe we start them off walking. Maybe we start them off with core exercise. They like strength training, and so they like to be in the gym. We can get some exercise to help them with that. It doesn't have to be core exercise. And so I think one of the important things that I like to stress in the beginning is we don't have to be pigeonholed into one treatment approach, which it's nice because we have options, but like you said, it also leaves the door wide open to, ah, well, try this, try that, do this. And you have a lot, too many options almost sometimes. Sure, sure. And so the way that I've kind of changed my framework and how I approach these things is looking for things that actually helped to actually decrease the pain instead of just looking specifically at strengthening a specific muscle. Traditional rehab was you got to strengthen the transverse abdominus, you know, one of your abdominal muscles, you have to strengthen the multifidus muscle, one of the small muscles on your back. But we also see that just general exercise can also be helpful. We don't have to be so specific. And so it's just about finding what works for somebody and not just looking at purely strengthening a specific muscle. Like we were saying in the beginning when looking at like what causes low back pain, it's not one specific thing, right? We can try to isolate and go just
1: the right quadratus lumborum muscle.
0: It yep. Yep. doesn't hurt to strengthen the left either.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, it makes sense. So what are some of the modalities that are your go-tos? And obviously, I love your idea of like you don't have to pigeonhole, but also you do need to filter. So, so split the difference for me. What are the things that you really recommend a lot of times?
0: You have to tailor what's going on. If someone's in a lot of pain, yeah, they're probably not going to want to do a lot of exercise, a lot of strenuous exercise at that either. And so when we're looking at like pain relieving modalities, we can use spinal manipulation or adjustment to help just kind of mobilize the joints, induce a little bit of movement in there. And that helps to decrease some of the pain. Uh, I do a lot of manual therapy as well. It's helpful in kind of getting people to start moving on the table. And I'm facilitating that, right? Which I think is beneficial for people. It's not
1: the solution, just like, we've been talking about, but it could be added to the bigger picture to help get to the next step. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I think a lot of people pitch manual therapy, any sort of soft tissue therapy, whatever it is, almost like it's the solution, right? You come in, you just get adjusted or you just go get a massage. But to me, like you're trying to figure out like what's going to be most helpful for this person and then build your program to that.
1: Of course. But, But what's better, yoga or Pilates or walking? Uh, I know this. I need to know what, the be, what is the best one.
0: You know, ha, ha, did you see the most recent Cochrane review?
1: I did not. That's why you're on the show.
0: Okay. So Cochrane <laughs> is probably like the authority in, in research for those that aren't familiar. Uh, what they actually found, Pilates. Pilates was the most effective compared to everything else.
1: Interesting. There you go. You heard it from Michael. The, the last thing I, I want to just touch base on quick is you are the Cairo, and a lot of times you can apply rehab, manipulation, active care, manual therapy, like that's all within your wheelhouse. But also having a team where you have a primary care doc and a mental health provider, that also changes your approach, right? Like how, how does that change your practice as a chiropractor?
0: If we If we see a condition, like let's say we have one of those red flags, right? we can send them over to primary care to get evaluated immediately. But another thing that we see frequently with low back pain is there's a lot of fear of movement. Mm -hmm. So we can also use our mental health team to help address some of those barriers that are limiting somebody from recovery. Or let's say they have maybe some depression or anxiety that's uh, associated. We can work with the team to help get them back in kind of a more comprehensive treatment plan
1: i i really think that's a special thing that we get to do is is work with the team certainly improves our outcomes and our ability to help more people so michael i'm hoping that it's okay if i put you on the hot seat and uh ask you some uh, rapid fire questions does that sound good let's do it question one what is your favorite podcast
0: I had to go with the original, Tim Ferris. So much good information. They're super long, but the best.
1: I like Tim Ferris as well. I'm a fan. So what's your guilty pleasure?
0: Ooh. Um, I mean, I I grew up on the MTV generation, maybe the later end of the MTV generation, but I, I love some of those shows. Jersey Shore, The Challenge, <laughs> uh <laughs> All those shows. Love it. My my favorite is watching like CT just dominate. It, it, it's great.
1: That hot seat's getting a little bit hotter, I
0: think, right now. A, should I just leave now?
1: I think we're done. No, what, so one more. What's one thing you do every day to stay healthy?
0: I mean, I wouldn't be in physical medicine if I didn't say exercise, right? Yeah. I try to get 30 minutes in every day uh, if I can. Obviously, not every day do I achieve that, but or at least a real strenuous workout, but at least going for a walk every, every day, I think is one of the best things that you can do.
1: Beautiful. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Anyone 18 or over in the United States can be a Crossover Health member. At Crossover, you stay connected to a care team that works together and gets to know you over time a doctor, a nurse, a mental health expert, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, a health coach, a fitness coach, and a care navigator. Go to crossoverhealth.com to join the healthcare revolution. If you like our podcast, please follow or subscribe and leave a review. If you have a topic you want us to explore, let us know on Facebook or Instagram at Crossover Until next time, be well.